starting a new series today that I felt in order to do this thing with the kids studying the same thing, we have to actually plan ahead, which is not something I really enjoy doing much <laughs> or uh, and particularly good at, but I felt that it was important that we would actually do things this way, and the Lord was leading it, and so I said, well, God, you're going to have to just tell us a little ways out what we need to talk about so that we can get all this stuff put together, and I really felt the Lord leading me um, probably about two months ago, maybe a month and a half, that what we were going to look at this month is the story in the book of Judges of Gideon, and I it's been interesting to me because we kind of put that in, and I started we started working on it, and then now it's kind of funny how it feels so perfect for this season and this time to me, you know, and so it's interesting how that works out. It was funny to me how we did the book of Acts this summer, and it was like, you know, I don't know, 12 or 13 weeks or something, and every week I felt like it tied in so well to what we, what was going on in the world or that kind of thing, and you know, sometimes, I mean, maybe you're making associations or something like that, but I, I don't know. It was almost weird. It was like, well, this literally, this part of the story happens to be tying into the world right now, and it's funny how God does stuff like that. So this is going to be the first part of a four-part series on the book, or the book of Judges, the story of Gideon. And so let me pray, and we'll go into this. Father, I pray that you would bless this word, that we would hear from you. I do believe that you've given us a prophetic word here, Lord, to encourage us and to edify us and to teach us how to trust in you and follow you. And Lord, bless me to actually be able to speak it and think clearly. And we pray for... Uh, ears to hear what you would say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at Gideon. In the context, i got to give a little bit of background context so we even know, most of us go, I've heard this name, I might not be, remember exactly what he did or something like that. We find this story in the book of Judges starting like chapter 6. And where that is in the whole Bible thing <laughs> is Israel has... You know, God is, well, I don't go too too far. Israel's been in exile in, uh, in Egypt. God brings up Moses as the deliverer. He takes him. They're going in towards the promised land. They get distracted for 40 years. Then Joshua actually leads them into the promised land. They destroy Jericho. You all know the whole story, the song and everything. And then they're getting in there. And they're kind of taking over the land as they're supposed to be. That's right where we find the book of Judges. It's like right when Joshua's dying and the country's kind of starting to get established and you find this; these judges are people where um, God's raising them up to lead. They're not kings, they're not presidents, they're judges. And you see this list because what ends up happening is God gave Israel instructions to take this land, is to cleanse out all of the foreign gods and all of the foreign, you know, worship, and establish this is the land of God, Yahweh, you know, and they don't exactly do that. And you see this kind of story start to appear in Judges 2, um, 10 through 13. It says, after a whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, which means died or passed on, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. See, these guys had seen some pretty crazy stuff. It'd be kind of like we talk about our grandparents or my grandparents, my kids' great-grandparents, some of your parents fought in World War II, and they saw some pretty crazy stuff. This is the kind of thing. But I don't remember D-Day. I wasn't there. My dad wasn't there. His dad wasn't actually there, but his, his contemporaries were there. You see what I'm saying? And so the idea that, like, you start to forget. 
And so Israel was starting to forget some of these things that God had done. God had parted uh, the sea for people to walk through. God had destroyed the city of Jericho, the fortified city of Jericho with just a shout and the power of his Holy Spirit. So it's like they, they were starting to forget these things. Verse 11, then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served Baals. They started worshiping these other gods. They forsook the Lord, uh, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and Asherah. So it's, God has said, I need you to cleanse this stuff out because I know what's going to happen. You guys are going to end up worshiping these other gods. And they did. And so God raised up the judges to help deal with this and to help lead everybody. You see in the verse 15, uh, chapter 2, verse 15, whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's command. And then um, going back to verse 8 or 18 here, yeah, it goes on to 18 here we go whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of the enemies as long as the judge lived for the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed them and afflicted them but when the judge died the people returned to the ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors so this is a really important thing and teenagers, you might need to listen to this. There's this idea that, like, when God does something in your life, um, it's important that you cleanse out your life of all of this former stuff. And I don't have a list, okay? But it's important because what ends up happening is you end up kind of slowly not seeing the big deal of all this stuff and slowly... You start to, it starts to take over, and slowly, even though this is weird for our culture to talk this way, you might end up worshiping it again. These things you, that used, and what I mean by worship is what you desire. We're going to talk, our next series, <laughs> since we're planned out, I know, our next series is going to be about worship, but that's in a month, so we'll talk more about that in a little while. But you end up desiring again those same old things. You end up desiring and thinking about and being controlled by those same old things this happens to us just like it happened to them. And God knew it, and God was trying to lead them out of it. And he'd given them instructions. They have a covenant now, like a straight up, I will do this, you will do that. Legal type document arrangement with God, and they're not living up to their end of the bargain. And God is letting things, he's like, guys, if you don't follow me, this is what happens. You know, but they don't, then they get the message, and then they don't get the message. And they don't purify everything out, and it creeps back in, and then they start worshiping it. And they're stuck in this kind of cycle. So these surrounding nations keep attacking Israel and they keep taking over things. And then we see when we come up to the story of Gideon that the Midianites have now done this. And they've taken like everything. You know, they come in and they're like killing people and they're just taking everything. And it's very similar to what we're seeing in Afghanistan with the Taliban. You know, it's just, you know, it's not good anymore. And that's where we find this story of Gideon. Okay. There have been several judges. Like he said, as he would raise up a judge, there was Deborah and several of these other guys, all of them came up, did what God wanted, and people were like, oh, they're right. God is good. We should do that. And then after a little while, they're like, oh, I forgot. You know, and then, and then they go, no, we have another one. You know, And so we find Gideon. All right. So the situation we're in is this back and forth following God and, and following these other gods, and it's a mess. 
And now it's a particular mess with the Midianites that are now taking over everything. So you need to understand things are a mess and they're not good, which I think we can relate to. I mean, come on. <laughs> things aren't good and they're not the way they're supposed to be. And people are crazy right now. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon. And where is Gideon? Gideon is threshing wheat inside a wine press so that he can hide it from the Midianites. Okay? So threshing wheat is like the way of cleaning the wheat up and everything. That doesn't happen in a wine press. Okay? He's doing it in a wine press so that other people don't see it and come steal it from him. So he's like hiding. He's not doing it out in the open like he normally would. He's having to do it hiding. So you got oppressive people taking over everything, not conquering the land like we used to, not all of this stuff. I've heard all these stories about going through the, the sea and this Jericho walls falling down when we shouted. Now I'm having to clean up my wheat inside a wine press so other people don't steal it. Can anybody identify with this? Like, you've heard all these things about God, but gosh, I mean, I'm not living that right now, you know. I'm hiding in this wine press to thresh this wheat. And that's, that's a frustrating situation to be in, where you know this isn't how things should be, but that's not how, you know, I don't know what to do to change it. But I might be mad about it, or I might be frustrated. I don't know. It's confusing. So what does God say? This is the angel of the Lord. People kind of disagree exactly. You know, we talked about Christophanes, like the guy who peers to Joshua before he goes into Jericho and tells him what's going on. Like, is this Jesus showing up? A lot of people think yes. I tend to think yes on that one. Or Theophanes, like God showing up, you know, to some of these people in bodily form. So is this God showing up or is this a messenger from God, like an angel? People don't really agree. I don't really particularly care on this story because it's either God or he's acting on behalf of God, so it's kind of the same thing. It does, he does kind of accept worship later in it, which makes me think it's more likely God, but either way. Point is, this is God's intention. This is God's word. This is what God wants. So it's, if it's not God literally, it might as well be in the sense of the actions that are coming, okay? So when it says angel of the Lord, it's meaning something, some sort of presence in God's, in God's either literally God's presence or in God's name that he can interact with, Okay? So the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. That was kind of a nerdy moment. I apologize. Um, <laughs> the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and, and, and said this. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Gideon over here hiding with my, like, you know, wheat trying to do all this thing, and then that's what the angel or God says to me, I'd be like, what? Obviously, you're not paying attention to what's going on. Obviously, you can't see what the situation is. I'm having to hide with the little bit of wheat I got just to get things going because other people are trying to destroy me. Obviously, you don't, you don't know what's going on. And this is interesting because uh, Gideon kind of says this. Uh, they have this interesting interaction, okay? He doesn't go, finally, somebody sees me for who I am, the mighty warrior that I felt like I was the entire time. He doesn't say exactly that. This is what he says back. Pardon me, my Lord, <laughs> but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. So here's kind of a first big point is that 
His circumstances, kind of the way things were, had started to cause him to doubt who God was, or maybe who he was, or maybe who Israel was. But definitely, if this is true, why are things the way they are? And I hope that many of us can relate to that. Um, Because I've definitely felt in this last season of uncertainty, be it with COVID, like, what are we supposed to do about this? What are we, you know, da 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 da. You know, and then the craziness that came from that, or, you know, any of this stuff that's in the air that we're all having to deal with, and then deal with everybody else being upset about it, or then, you know, all of that is making us all go, what? Like, this is not, you know, if God came up to me right now, because I've prayed, listen to me, in the last week, or last three weeks probably, I've prayed for a lot of people who have been seriously sick because of COVID specifically. People reach out to the church, can you pray for this? Yes, I will pray. Some of them aren't, some of them have died. And I'm telling you, like, I start to get like, God, like, <laughs> your Bible says if your people are sick, anoint them, lay hands on them, and if a prayer and faith will break them well, and they're not getting well. I'm getting frustrated by this. You understand? So I can relate. That's why I was saying it's interesting how this stuff ties in. I can, I, if God came up to me and was like, man, what a gift of healing you have. Like, what are you talking about? It's not working. I mean, some people are getting better, but most of them aren't. And I could totally relate with this. If this is how things are, like, I can see how things are. That's not how they're supposed to be. And so what does, <laughs> what does God say back? He doesn't disagree with him. He says this. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I'm going to read that again. Think about all I've just been saying. I know I'm mixing together this Bible story and current events and all, you know, and and probably your mind is doing the same thing. Hear this as the Lord's response. You know it's wrong. You know this is not the life God's calling you to. You know this is not how you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to, you know, this is, you can see it correctly. This is what God says back. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Two important points to take care of this or to talk about this is that uh, first one is this. He says, go in the strength you have. And the second one is he's saying, am I not sending you? And I'm going to say these two things don't come apart, okay? This isn't like Samson, who's another judge, who's like the strongest guy. And God's just like, yeah, go kill all these guys because they're bad. And he's just strong enough to do it. You see what I'm saying? This guy isn't that, you know? He's not literally like Samson was kind of like this Superman, Hercules type person who can just, you know, there's one part where he just grabs like a jawbone and beats the crap out of all these guys. To like, he kills he kills a whole bunch of people. He can physically do that. So you'd say to that guy, like, if he looks like The Rock, you're like, you know, my, maybe you could take care of this situation. You know what I'm saying? You go, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, but when you say not that, it's a small guy. I don't know if he's physically small, but you get the point. You know, he's not the guy you would think of for that, and we'll get into that in a second. And so he, <laughs> God says, go in the strength you have, which doesn't look like The Rock. It doesn't look like much anything. Go in the strength you have and do this crazy thing, which is deliver the nation. Everything you're seeing is wrong. Yes, you go take care of that because 
I am sending you. If he would just say, you go do it, that's not going to work. He's going to die like immediately. You see what I'm saying? But when you add to that, the second part, God is sending him. Now it will work. So the question is, is Gideon cool with that? You know, does he go, all right, sounds good. Answer? No, not really. He says in verse 15, again, pardon me, my Lord. When you see that, that means he's going, I got a, I got a, I got a point here, you know, like, pardon me. Uh, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. So again, like I said, not the rock. He's like, I can't even think of a, you know, whatever. You get the point. <laughs> yeah, he's nacho. So, uh, like how we like make pop culture references from like 15 years ago as if anybody's going to, you know. You remember that? <laughs> what was that dorky kid in Saved by the Bell? I never watched that show, Saved by the Bell. Screech. Yeah, there you go. Maybe he's like that guy. Does that work? Yeah, that's moving in the wrong direction. I need something that's more current. Ah, <laughs> uh, forget it. Don't they call him Dwayne Johnson now instead of The Rock anyway? So forget it. Anyway, the point is <laughs> he's saying, like, I obviously I'm not the guy for this job, you know. And he's saying this to God. So think about this. Like God, he, he knows kind of who's talking to him to some extent. You know, and he's like, and God's like, all right, you do it. I'm sending you to do it. That should be like, all right, finally, somebody's going to do something about this. But we always tend to go, yeah, but me? Can't it be somebody else online and I can just share it? Because that would be awesome. I could just click one button and get all of the credit for all of this stuff. Or maybe when I'm checking out at Walmart, give like a dollar. A dollar would be good. But he says, no, <laughs> you know, I'm not the guy that you're, you know, you obviously have the wrong person. But then God gives his response back. Again, he doesn't like, it's funny, like when you have, it's really important. The Bible is so rich. This, this story is thousands of years old and we still have it. That's pretty awesome. A lot of cultural differences between us and what was going on here, but you can still see human people talking with God and seeing how he responds. God doesn't go, yeah, I know you got a point, but I want to, like, show, I, I, like, he doesn't, he also doesn't, like, debate with him, like, you're not the smallest guy. He doesn't, ha like, God doesn't really engage with that kind of not, like, so we, like, I want to make, or you might want to make excuses to God about why you can't do anything more than just share something you know, online. And God doesn't go, sure you can, buddy, you know. <laughs> he just moves on in this sort of way. He says, I will be with you, and I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. That's intense language, you know. A lot of us like to think of God as being like, God's just so passive, and he, you know, or I don't know, he just loves everybody, and it's, you know, Everybody wants to feel good. God's like, I'm going to strike down all of these people and leave none of them alive. That's intense. But the main point we have to take away from this is, again, kind of a restatement of what he said before. Am I not sending you? 
am I not sending you? This is the kind of stuff God can say. Like, you could do this because I'm sending you. Not because you're so great. And he goes, I'm not even going to engage with this nonsense about, you know, I don't, like, you think I don't know who you are? I made you. You think I don't know that? I don't care. <laughs> you're the guy I want to do this. And you are a mighty warrior. And I will be with you. Which that one thing tends to change everything. So Gideon is starting to be convinced now. But I like this thing about Gideon because, again, you could see, like I said, interactions. This is people, humans, interacting with God. You know, Gideon's a cool story because he repeatedly, and we'll see this in coming weeks, he likes to make sure about things. He's like, I'll do it. But let me just make sure, you know, that, uh, and Gideon says in verse 17, if now I have found favor in your eyes. So he's saying, okay, maybe. So if this is true, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And so he does. He, he goes off and he, he gets an offering and he lays it before the angel. And then it's like, it's really interesting. You can go and read this. Um, God says, he's like, I'll wait until you return. He prepares a young goat and brings the bread and some broth and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, okay, pour out this broth, which is kind of an act of libation, worship, and this kind of thing. And he lays it before him, and then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand, and fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. So that's kind of shocking. Then Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, and he says, alas, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord says to him, peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord. So what he does is he finally is getting the point and he responds with worship. Okay? He's getting the point that this is God who's sending him on this mission. He's getting the point that this is something God is going to do. He wants to check. He wants to make sure. Like, God, I'm willing to do this, but I need you to <laughs> I need you to just, I need to make sure we're sure here. So he prepares this offering. He lays it before the Lord. God accepts it, it disappears. And then he was like, oh my gosh, like I wasn't making this up. I wasn't imagining this. This is really something God is doing. And I'm like, all of a sudden, the lights go on. I've been talking to God this whole time, and everything he says is true. So thinking back on that, I guess I am a mighty warrior. I guess I am supposed to deliver Israel. I guess I am supposed to do this because God is sending me, and he's going to be with me. But then he's like, oh, crap, I was talking to God face to face like, I'm probably going to die. You know, like you can't see God and live. There's, you know, and God's like, chill. You're not going to die. I got things for you to do. So I want to sum all this up really quick, and then we're going to have a song to play in the end. Israel's in a bad situation. Gideon is in a bad situation. He's hiding, and he's a nobody. God shows up to him, acknowledging this problem, acknowledging what's going on, acknowledging all of this bad stuff, and he's like, you're the guy I want to use to help fix it. And you can't just apply this to any situation in your life, okay? Like everything you don't like, you know, God is, like you're necessarily the one who's going to fix all that. That's not, that would be misapplication or at least too broad. What I do believe, though, is that God has spiritual battles. Like we said, this is how I fight my battle song earlier. God has spiritual battles for each and every one of us. And they're usually really connected to things that bother us deeply 
and things like that. That's a good indication. Like God is going to stir in you something that's wrong with the world or something that's wrong in your family or something that's wrong and he's got for you to deal with that and you're not going to feel ready. You're not going to, you are the weakest person. You're actually probably not even, if we were lining people up, even on the first of the list, but God has decided that that's the case. And you don't have to listen to yourself or the circumstances or like, you know, again, he is from the weakest clan. He is like the weakest of his family. God doesn't even disagree with that. God says, I know that and you're the person I want to do this. So, Making decisions based on those details is dumb. We come to the end of what we're going to talk about this week, and nothing has really changed much. Midianites are still running the place. He's still the lowest person in his family. The only thing that's changed is that he knows the truth now. That he's a mighty warrior and that God wants him to deal with this and that God's going to do it through him. That's what he knows. Nothing else has changed. But he's built an altar because he's saying, I, 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 I believe the truth now. I think it's important that we keep in context this understanding. God is true. God has the truth God reveals the truth to us, and we come into that understanding. It's very different, and y'all need need to listen to me on this, okay? It's come to my attention over the last so so many months that many of us who call ourselves Christians, many of us who call ourselves believers, think we live in a world like this, okay? And I'm going to describe this, and I'm going to tell you this is not how things are, all right? So this is wrong, and many of us are doing this. We think that because we say we believe something, that that is how things are. Y'all, did you hear what I just said? Like, I believe this, so that's so. Now, part of that is our culture. I've talked about this before, how... uh, Christian thinker Leslie Newbigin talks about the difference between facts and values in our culture. This is not universal to all cultures, but it's in our Western culture. We like to say facts are things that can be empirically proven, like with evidence and data, and values are things that we have personally. And so we like to put religion in this values category. Like, I can believe this, and you can believe that, and it's fine. Which, in some ways, is how we live together, and that's okay, you know. Um... And in some, lots of areas of our life, it doesn't matter. Like, you could believe that the Gators are better than Florida State, and that's okay. And I could believe <laughs> that Florida State is better, and Kevin and I can still be friends, you know. But the facts start to show up when they play football against each other and Florida wins. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, crap. You know, so the, the <laughs> or, you know, whatever. You get the point. And so the re- what he was saying is we, we act as though there's facts and we act as though there's values, and really there's just facts. Like, we can believe whatever we want, but the facts eventually show up. Here's the thing. Me telling you I believe that Jesus is who he said he was does not make him that or not. He either is or isn't in a factual way, meaning Jesus either rose from the dead 2,000 years ago or he didn't, and if he did, 
That changes everything. If he didn't, it doesn't, and he's just a really nice guy, or we made up some stories about him. Do you see what I'm saying? I have re- it's been revealed to me that he is, he did, and what he said about himself is true, and we could talk about that, and we will talk about that for a long time. But the point is that because I believe it changes nothing. My faith in this changes nothing. My belief in this changes nothing. You can't just do, live through life like this, and I can prove it because it doesn't work in any other category. You can't just say, you know, I'm going to go home and eat some of those chlorine tabs for the pool because I feel like it. And I go, dude, you're going to get sick or die probably. Like, that's poison. And you go, ah, <laughs> I used to believe that, but I don't believe that anymore. I'm free from that now. And so I got freedom. I can eat whatever I want. And you go, okay, you can, but at some point you're going to realize you're wrong. Now, this does not mean that everything I say or everything you say or anything is reality. What I'm saying is God is real. Our level of understanding of who he is is how close we can get to that. That's what theology is, okay? And if... And if we get some of that wrong, which the Bible promises that we will, because of our own limitations intellectually, our own limitations emotionally, our own limitations in time, we're not going to get it all right till we see him face to face, okay? So don't get hung up on that. The thing is, he can take care of himself. Your faith should not be built on my ability to explain the things that I happen to know yet. You see what I'm saying? But they also, me being able to or not being able to explain them, doesn't make them so. And nothing that you just believe, like the pool chlorine thing, makes it so. It either is so or it isn't. And you either know it or you don't. Or you've experienced it or you haven't. This is really important when you come to a story like this because we can convince ourselves all sorts of crazy stuff and make our life built around these beliefs that aren't so. We might even call them things like freedom. Or we might even call them things like identity. And they aren't. And when you encounter God, like Gideon does, he tells you straight. He doesn't always disagree with you. Some of us are, you know, more reasonable than other people. Some of us believe a lot of lies about ourselves all the time. Most of us believe, I mean, I think all of us believe some lies about ourselves. I could go start shouting out things and you would recognize that voice in your head. That's not, you know, these are the lies that we all believe about ourselves. But sometimes the more reasonable of us can see our situation pretty well. And God may not even disagree. He doesn't, you know, if if you're right, he doesn't, again, we're talking about facts again. Like, I know that. You think that matters to me? And the answer is it doesn't. What we have to start to realize is that what we think we believe, and I said that the way I meant to say it, what we think we believe doesn't really matter all that much. What matters most is God and who God is and our level of revelation to, who, to, to that. And us starting to live lives that put faith in that. Put our faith in Jesus, not who we think he might be or what he, we think he might be like. Put our faith in him even when he challenges what we think he might be like, you see? I want to close with two scriptures and then I have a song I want us to listen to. 
The first is this. I think this sums up this first moment because, like I said, we haven't done anything yet. You know, God's promising I'm going to take care of this whole situation and all this kind of stuff, but he hasn't done it yet. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. This is kind of one of those famous Bible verses a lot of us know. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. This is the the situation Gideon finds himself in. He has... He has a very accurate understanding of what's going on, a very good, clear picture of who he is in the structure of things, yet he encounters the truth coming from God himself that conflicts with that, and he has to start now acting in this way where he trusts in the Lord and leans on, not on his own understanding, because his own understanding is, is not, again, not inaccurate, just incomplete. And then I also want to highlight one more time that scripture that Angela brought up when we were praying. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. This is my prayer for us, that as we step into a life where we trust in the Lord with... (laughs) and lean not on our own understanding, that he will confirm that inside of us with joy and peace and overflowing of hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. Because that is the confirmation of of his direction in our lives. Because God's going to ask Gideon, and he's going to ask us to do difficult things, like things that don't work unless God does them, things like that. And he's got things like that for you. Like, there's Probably some of you in your mind is like burning right now. I got everything I've been talking about. You're like, oh my gosh, this is exactly my situation in my family. This is exactly everything. And I'm going to have to, whoa, you know. And to get through that, because God is calling you to get through that, I'm going to pray that God would pour out in your life joy and peace and hope as confirmation of his spirit. So I want to just spend a moment in prayer to conclude here, guys. And I've got a song I want to play. Normally the band comes back up and we, you know, we worship a little bit more. But I want us to all just take a moment. And if you want to come down, we always have the altars open. These steps are here if you want to come pray and lay something before the Lord. It's a great act to do to come forward and actually say, God, I'm going to leave this here with you. And we've got people that are willing to pray with you um, if you want to come up here. But also just want you to listen to this song. It's a song, it's actually about Gideon by Jason Upton from a few years ago. And so we're going to play this to kind of conclude and um, just pray that the Lord would start to minister in our hearts. So I'm going to pray and then we'll play this song. Father, I ask that you would speak to our hearts the things that you're calling us for. You called us mighty warriors in spite of all this around us. And I pray that you would make that real in our lives and move hope in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So feel free to come forward if you need to.